Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Good morning, Father's House. Good to be here with you. Bless y'all. Today, we're going to continue in doing our hacks. I did want to introduce you to a young man. Recently, we had graduation. We had all our students come, and we prayed over them. And, and uh, this young man is not, I don't believe he's here this morning, or he's not here this, in this service. He usually attends and sits right there. Uh, Edwin Perez, he just, there he is, right there in the middle. They just put that badge on him for the first time. He is one of our Leesburg's best. I'm proud of him, and he'll be in the next service. But right now, let's just take a moment and pray for not just uh, that young man, but all those whom he represents. Because I was sitting here thinking about it, that, you know, when things start going to a place to where I don't know if I can deal with it, I start calling God, right? And then I call a cop. <laughs> just telling you. Let's thank them for who they are and what they do for us. Father, we thank you for those men and women who stand in the gap for us. We thank you, Lord God, that we can worship freely, feel comfortable, be at home safe, let our children safe, because there's somebody willing to step up and step in that gap. I ask you, Father God, to give them peace, safety, let their families be healthy. Lord God, let their hearts be attuned to you. Let the, if they don't know you, Lord God, I ask they come to get to know you. It will change their life. And I thank you, Lord God, for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, today we're going to continue in our hacks. A hack is uh, one of those little things that uh, come up in your life that, that helps you out to make life a little easier. You know, I, and, and Pastor sent me a note and said, come up with a couple of hacks. How many here have a golf cart with those sides on it? How many aren't, won't admit they have a golf cart with those sides on it? Okay, maybe a canvas cover or something. You know what I'm talking about, those snaps? You know, the kind of snaps you got to... You ever start pulling on one of those and they pull through the material? Because they, they just don't, they don't snap easy and they don't come loose easy, right? Get yourself a tube of chapstick, put it on the male end of that, push it together a couple of times, and it will always work for years. I did this nine years ago on my golf cart, and it still works. All right? Chapstick. Then don't use the chapstick afterwards, though. <laughs> Give it to somebody you don't like. All right. No, I'm sorry. We're, we're going to get into that in just a minute. There, there's another one. You ever, you ever have a barbecue or maybe a, 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 you're out camping or something, and you're trying to get the fire going? You've got the lumber, but you don't have the, the kindling, you know, the small parts to get underneath there. Go back over to the picnic ground, grab yourself the biggest bag of Doritos you can find, and light them on fire underneath that wood. This stuff burns. <laughs> Do you have any idea what it's doing to you? I'm just saying. Uh, brother? There you go. All right. <laughs> you like that? That's good. We're gonna, I'm going to talk to you today about... A monster within us. There is a monster inside of each and every one of us. Some of us know that monster a lot better than others, but we all know this monster. It's called anger. Now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about anger. 
But before I do that, let's see how honest we're going to have in the room. Has anybody ever been angry? Today? All right, just checking. I want to... Ushers, take notes of the hands that went up and make sure they don't get any closer. All right? To me, to me, not to you, to me. All right. Now, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about anger today. And there is a proverb that... Uh, there's a proverb that probably addresses the whole issue. A very short sentence. In fact, I would really recommend you memorize it. It's Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says this. Listen to this. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes a great city. Did you get that? In other words, it's, it's saying simply, it is better to... Let's put it another way. If there's a person with patience and self-control, but no anger, I mean, no uh, power or strength, well, they're a nice person to get to know. If they're a person with power and strength, but they don't have self-control or patience, that's a person you want to avoid. But if they have all four, that's the kind of person you might want to befriend and make sure they're at your side. Because they're not only strong, but they're also patient. They're not only powerful, but they're also self-controlled. That's, kind of, that's the kind of thing that we really need within our own lives. But any of those out of joint get a little bit messed up. Uh, let me uh, give you an example of patience. I heard this about six years ago. A, a waitress was telling me that uh, she worked at a, at a truck stop just up the road here off of 75. And one day, a trucker pulled in that she hadn't known. And most of the customers there were well-known. They were return customers. But this young fellow, she didn't know who it was. Who he was. And he came in and he found a table and he sat down, ordered his breakfast. She brought the breakfast over and set it in front of him. He took his hat off and he prayed. She thought that was pretty cool because he, was, he wasn't embarrassed. He, he was going to pray and he prayed. Well, at that time, a couple of guys come walking in. She called them bikers, pretty rough looking guys. And they came in and looked around the room and noticed this guy sitting by himself. So they went over and sat with him. Now, she thought they knew him. One of the guys reached over and took his breakfast and started eating it. And the other one took the toast and coffee and started consuming it. That man didn't move. That trucker just sat there. Didn't say a word. There was no conversation at all. The whole, the whole room, she said, got quiet because they expected trouble. But nothing happened. When they finished the breakfast, the trucker stood up, put on his hat. Everybody took a breath. He walks back over to the cash register, paid the bill, gave her a tip, and walked out. Never said a word. As she was cleaning up the table, one of the bikers said, that guy isn't much of a man, is he? She said, you know, I don't know him. I, he's never been here before. And, and I don't know anything about him, so I can't tell you what kind of man he is, but I can tell you one thing for certain. He's not much of a truck driver. He ran over two motorcycles out in the parking lot. <laughs> Better a patient person than a warrior. <laughs> All right, that, that was probably not the best example. 
anger, <laughs> anger is being romanticized. Anger is being glorified. Anger is in our movies. It's the basis for, for movies and TV and books and magazines and games. I mean, we, the, the premise of most of the movies out now is the good guy gets mad enough to go out and cause great bodily harm to the bad guy. And we cheer him on. You know, I mean, it, sometimes you, you, you can even feel inside of yourself when they go get the bad guy, you say, yeah. What is that within us that gets us to that place? Well, with those countless plots, in fact, in fact, <laughs> There used to be, I don't know if it's still on, but there was a program that was on for decades. And, and there were several of them, actually, but this one was pretty well known. And they would bring people on who already had ought and anger toward one another for the sole purpose in every single show to start wailing on each other. And why was that program on for as many decades as it was? Because we loved it. Or at least enough people did, right? There's something wrong with a culture that professes Jesus Christ and says that he is the author of love and the prince of peace, and yet we love to see somebody else get their clock cleaned. What? Maybe we need to rethink what righteous anger and just anger is. Okay? I mean, because there is a difference. And anger, by the way, is really not humorous. There's nothing humorous about anger, and it certainly isn't entertaining. But we've made it that way. It, becomes, it has become a norm in our culture, in our society, and in our lives. Maybe we need to rethink it a little bit. And I know in this room, I can testify, and so can you, that there are people in this room that have issues with anger. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You know who you are. Yeah, I don't need to know who you are. But it's not just getting a little ticked off on occasion you have some serious concerns because you're just not a happy person. But I know Jesus. There's a statement in the Bible that says that we called you Lord, but, and Jesus turns around and says, you, you refer to me as Lord, but I don't know you. Wow. Maybe your emotions need to line up with your heart. You with me here? I don't, mean, I, I don't, wish, to, I don't wish to share things with you that, that, that are condemning. I, I really don't. Because I want you to know, I am one of those people. But I have a powerful God. Amen. There are specific phases of anger. Now, it doesn't, doesn't have to start this way and always end this way. But there, are a, there is a, rather, a specific order of the phases that take place in anger. And you might be able to relate to one, if not all of these, right? The first one... The first one is, and this is the birthing process, this is where conception of anger begins, irritation. You ever been irritated? This morning? Standing in front of the mirror? You know. <laughs> Me, all I have to do to get irritated is get in my car and let somebody else drive on my road. But irritation just happens. It's part of life, Right? But irritation then soon becomes frustration. And frustration is one of those things that it moves you just a little further from being scratchy to being angry that something bit you. 
right? Pretty soon it becomes exasperation. You know what exasperation is? Exasperation is just, <sighs> you're frustrated and you're tired of being frustrated. You're getting exhausted. You're just exasperated. And the feeling that, that, that whatever is irritating you, man, is this ever going to stop? Anybody here own a computer? Okay, well, you, you, I don't have to go any further with that, do I? And those exasperation then moves into the next step that is where we start to teeter a little bit into difficulty. And that is it moves to resentment. Why is this happening to me? You see, my computer, the guy that made my computer, knew I was going to own that stinking computer. And he did something to it just to tick me off. You with me? Resentment. And resentment moves. And by, by the way, irritation, frustration, exasperation, and resentment can all be hidden under a quiet facade. It doesn't need to be expressed. It doesn't. You can have all four of those churning around inside of you, like maybe the one that you are frustrated with and irritated with and angry with, whatever. He's standing in front of you, or she's standing in front of you, and you're looking at them right in the eye. Of course, you just walked into church, and you're going, Hi, how are you? I've, I'm a, I've been pastor long enough. My office back in the day used to be where the, my windows in my office could look out across over to the parking lot. And I could see people coming to church in the morning. Getting out, slamming the doors, walking over. Hi, pastor, how are you? You know, I, I know how that is. These four can be hidden, but the sad part about it, even though they may be hidden under a facade of peace, they are working against you. And if they're fed and allowed to reside without being dealt with, well, it moves to the next. And the next one gets dicey. It's called wrath. Now, wrath is not something that you first hear it, you think, oh, because you're picturing some movies or something. Wrath is merely an expression of emotion, of anger, that will not be silent. It speaks up. It may not yell, but it starts talking. And it starts telling people exactly how they feel. And they don't care who else is listening. You ever have anybody talk to somebody in a restaurant and the booth behind you? And they're making sure the person that they're talking to can hear it, and you and the other two, three or four booths down the row, because they want to make their point clear. We find that when that's pretty well fed, wrath then moves very quickly, because it accelerates into fury. Fury is not only expressed, it's loud, and it starts to become dangerous. Fury is simply the loss of emotional control. Everything up to this point you could pretty much handle. You might even be able to reel it in, but not this. And you know where fury goes? Fury is that semi-truck fully loaded without the driver behind the wheel and the brake came off and it's coming down the hill and you're on the road. Or somebody else is and you're, you're the truck. That is, wrath then moves from fury or to fury and from fury, you know where this is going? Rage. Rage is mindless action. Rage is violence in all number of forms. It can come emotionally, verbally, 
physically. Rage is going to be expressed, and there is no stopping it. You have to stop anger before it gets to that point. Because when it reaches that point, you're no longer the hero of the movie. You're just a sick human being ready to hurt, cause some problems and hurt people. And there probably isn't a person in this room that hasn't been there at one time or another. Rage results in damage every time. There is not words that can be expressed. There's not actions that can be taken that will not result in destruction in the field of rage. Proverbs 27.4a says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. You see, that didn't tick me off at all. <laughs> oh, I love it. She yells at me a lot. Oh, that's good. Rage is a dangerous, dangerous field. And there are a few important things that we can learn about anger. One of them is in the book of Ephesians. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says. Now, and listen to this clearly. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Did you get that? Look at that first part. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, when you're angry, do not sin. Did, did you get this? How many think that anger is sin? It's not. I mean, that's what it's telling you. In your anger, do not sin. We have, God has created within us, we are in God's image. And I got news for you, if you're not aware of it, open your Bible and you'll find God gets a little upset. In fact, they call it anger. And if we are created in his image, then that emotion is also part of us. But like every emotion, including love, every emotion has its boundaries. Things must be brought in and drawn to a place to where it cannot cause destruction. Anger is a fact of life. Anger is a God-instilled emotion in your, in your life, and it may well be so that there's something that needs to be said, and you simply haven't said it or brought it up or dealt with it, and it wasn't until you reached that point where you're starting to get pretty angry about it, now you're willing to step up and it needed to be said long ago. Right? Anger may be that motivation to, to protect the, the defenseless. It may be something that causes you to step out of your comfort zone into what God might call you to do without sinning in when you do it. Uh-huh. Just give me an uh-huh. Oh, that was sweet. That was good. That was good. You know, a lot of pastors go, amen. I don't go amen. I just want an uh-huh. Because that means you got it. We, um, anger needs its, its, its safeguards but it says, when we are angry, do not sin. You know, we have an emotion of love. And I, I've noticed that today, love is expressed more than anything else. You hear it all the time. We need to love each other. Love is this and love is that. But you know love has boundaries? It does. It's not just freewheeling out there. Love is a compassion of heart and a caring for humanity. You are to love every person on this planet, but you don't need to love everything that's going on in this planet. And that's one of the problems that we have, that we have love, and we want it, no restrictions. Well, guys, there's some restrictions. 
There are restrictions. And you can be angry, but there are restrictions. That is all we're talking about. Be angry, but do not sin. Wow, what is sin? You know exactly what sin is. And if you know God, and you've given your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit within you will clearly tell you that is sin. You don't need a pastor standing up and ready now. Okay, this is sin. I didn't know that. I can just picture God standing on. God the Father is right here. Jesus, come here a moment. Michael, come on over here. The Holy Spirit's down there at work. Ben is getting pretty upset. Whoa, did you see what he just did? I think we ought to smote him. <laughs> Fortunately not, because God's anger, his love for me is greater than his anger toward me. His love for me is greater than his disappointment in me. And on that, I trust. Because if I didn't, I'd be walking around every day wondering, gosh, am I really saved? I am definitely saved because I have a definite God who loves me enough to make sure I am. And it has nothing to do with me. Amen. Anger has its safeguards. Look at the next verse, don't, or next part of that verse. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't put off tomorrow what you can take care of today. If you go to bed at night with anger in your heart, you will wake up to it. And you won't sleep very well all night long. How many here have ever had the Ben syndrome where you go to bed and you all night you keep waking up thinking, I should have said this. By golly, I'm going to say that. And he ain't getting away with that next time. I'm telling you what. I, I assume with that laughter, that's a yay and amen. It's me too. He ain't doing that to me again. We all do that. God wants you to get some sleep. He's not, I'm not suggesting to you that what is being said here, that whatever the issue is that created the conflict needs to be dealt with before you go to bed. The issue can be carried into tomorrow because it may take a week, a month, or a year to resolve. Deal with the anger, not the issue. He doesn't say, make things, everything is resolved before you go to bed. No, he said, do not go to bed with your anger. Okay? Now, how do you do that? Let me use a husband and wife as an example. All right? You can apply this principle in various... <laughs> Quiet, honey. <laughs> Usher, I don't know who this woman is, but... <laughs> but this is the truth. I have found in my time in life that the greatest distance between two people who profess love for one another is the 18 inches in bed when they're angry. And it's almost like a wall has been built, and neither one of you can roll over and get through it. You with me? <clears throat> when it's time to go to bed, and you've got that anger in your heart, take one another's hands and pray for each other. Now, here's a challenge, ladies, gentlemen. You can be the first one to grab the hands, because you're the holiest one in the room. But take those hands and pray for one another. Pray for one another. Don't pray for the issue. You're going to deal with that tomorrow. Pray for one another. And do not pray this. Gentlemen, I'll speak to you. Ladies, you can pick it up. You'll know what I'm talking about. Do not pray this. Oh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come together. I love this woman, but please show her the error of her ways. <laughs> Don't go there. 
It's not profitable and could be dangerous. She's within reach. You know what I'm saying? But pray for one another. Embrace one another. Even if you don't like each other, God said you've got to love each other. So just embrace one another. Tell each other you love them or care for them, whoever they may be, and go to bed and go to sleep. Tomorrow morning, you'll get up. I guarantee you, God will refresh your soul. The Holy Spirit will give you thought throughout the night, and when you, good thoughts. And when you wake up in the morning, you can, you can resolve whatever it is has to be done, or at least pick it up and start working on it. But you'll never get anything done when you're angry. Never. All anger will do is add to the reason you're angry. And, all, and what started out this big becomes this big real quick. Don't give the devil a foothold is the next part, right? Do not give the devil a foothold. That's an opportunity. Understand what we're talking about here. Somebody says, oh, the devil. I'm not sure I really believe in the devil. I'm not asking you here if you believe in the devil. I'm just going to tell you if you believe in Jesus, you better believe in the devil because he said there was one. And he dealt with it straight up. The sad part is we've got a world so filled with, with goofy, crazy programs on television and in the movies that are spiritually oriented, supposedly, that we start looking at the devil as some cartoon character, something that's just kind of, you know, sleeping under the bed, right? No. He's real. And he wants to divide you first from God and then from one another. Because when you are together, even in your anger, when you are together, you have power against the enemy of your soul. This monster resides in all of us, but it doesn't have to control you. But it's your choice. It'll either control you or you'll control it. Proverbs 19.11. Here's some of the hacks that I'd like to share with you from the book of Proverbs. And by the way, if you're reading the book of Proverbs, today is the ninth. You should be in the ninth chapter. Read a chapter for each day of the week, I mean of the month, and continually repeat that, and you will find throughout that Bible, throughout that chapter, Throughout that book, that there are hacks telling you how you can live your life in peace and in comfort and in joy. And there's nothing like reading a proverb telling you to calm down and cool off when you're really not calmed down and cooled off. Because nobody's talking to you but God then. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Wow, what could that mean? Well, how about ignoring petty disagreements? That's the one thing we talked about just the other day. This woman in red. Uh, woman in, isn't that a song or movie or Lady in Red? Lady in Red, okay, <laughs> forgive me. Um, we found, we've been married for 43 years as of last week. 43 years. Yep. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, we believe in prayer. <laughs> but in all honesty, we get people telling us, in fact, it just got a few on the internet, how much that they appreciate the fact that you are an example of what love should be, what marriage should be. They see me standing here and her sitting there, and that's it. There's more to our life than that. But now in our life, it's taking us time I'm looking at young, newly married folks. 
It takes time to get to that place to where the simple, stupid, and inconsiderate things that don't matter at all finally don't matter at all. Because there was a time where you keep leaving the toilet up. Well, you don't fluff my pillow, you know, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Those used to be issues that became other issues that become bigger issues. I know I sound silly, but we all know what we're talking about in new relationships. Take the time to get to know God that way, to where your failures don't determine or define his love for you. Because anything that she does or anything that I do does not determine our love for one another. We have a love that truly and we were at a point, were we not at one time, where I looked at God and I said, you can have her, I'm done. And she was saying the same thing about me. What happened? I don't know. We both prayed independently, Lord, change me. Help me to be the husband this woman needs. Help me to be a righteous man of God when I am so unrighteous in my own mind. And she did the same thing. When did the, when did the change take place? Well, it wasn't May 30th and 19th. I don't know. All I know is I've never loved anyone other than my, my God and my Savior more than I love that woman. How did that happen? Well, finally, she started overlooking some of my stupid. And I started overlooking hers. I'm sorry. It never really existed. It was hard to find. Huh, honey? Y yes, dear. All right. Ignore the petty stuff. There's bigger issues. Believe me. Trust me. You live, you, you stay married 40 years, you will have some dynamically large, massive, uncontrollable issues to deal with. Things that will break your heart and crush you right into dust. It will happen. Don't spend time wasting on the small stuff. You've got bigger dragons to fight. They're coming. And you need to be united. Proverbs 17, 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Hmm. If you know you're going to say something because it's up inside of you and you want to say it, and you know the environment is adversary to you, it's an adversarial environment or, or conflicting... You know that when I speak this in this room to these people, I'm going to have some, it's not going to go well. You ever do that? You know it's going to get ugly. Well, then ask yourself, is it really necessary to say? Or is it just your opinion that needs to be expressed? If it's just your opinion to express, go expect to somebody who wants to hear it, or at least willing to hear it and talk to you about it. But to do it in an adversarial environment simply because it's your opinion and your view and you want to make sure they know is like what it's saying here, punching holes in a dam. It's just every time, you know, you just, whoop, this is my view. Another little hole in the dam. And what does that do when you start punching little holes in a great big dam? It starts making it a little weak. This is what I want you to do anytime you know you're about to do that. Remind yourself that, oh, you know what? I want to punch holes in this dam. I mean, this, this thing needs some hole punching in this dam, and I'm going to punch a few. Take note. You live downstream. 
You with me? Because when that thing breaks, you have to ask yourself, everything that I own and everything I love is downstream. Is it really worth me punching another hole in that dam? It may not be. You may want to rethink that. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. Do not make friends with hot-tempered, a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Wow. Have you ever noticed it's easy to hang out with angry people and get angry with them? Somebody else's ought or frustration about somebody will come to you. Why? Because you're the ears willing to hear and they will tell you just how that person did thus and such to them, and all you can do is go, yeah, I don't like them either. <laughs> Most of it's gossip, and the other probably has some merit. But you know the best way to stop gossip? Don't listen. Really. The problem is not the gossiper. The problem is the listener. If, we, if, we didn't, if I didn't have something to say to you, if I was in this room alone, do you think I would be this getting excited about talking about this stuff? No, probably not, because I've already read it and I wrote it all right myself. Why get excited about it? You're here and you're listening and I have somebody to talk to. But what I'm not going to do is punch a hole in the dam because I live downstream. Yeah, it's easy to get angry with angry people. Hey, does anybody here, and do not, do not turn and look at anybody in this room. Does anyone here know somebody who just is never happy? I mean, they complain about everything all the time. I can see everybody's looking at me going, I'm not even going to move my head. <laughs> I know people like that. I do. And, and it's like, it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful day. It's too hot. Oh, okay. Wow. Want to go for a swim? Nope, too cold. It's, it's 98 degrees outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the water's too cold. There's always something wrong. It, it doesn't matter. You can go out and have a whole nice evening, but they'll be complaining about the service at the restaurant or the food or the, or the way some guy in the next table looked at you or whatever. Always somebody upset. How many of you really like hanging out with those people? Then why is it you even know them? Because you are hanging out with them. And they may not be that way all the time, but if, they're that, if you're that way and they're that way, do you see the combination that takes place there? There's a big difference between putting a small drop of, of dirt into a big bottle, a little bottle, and flushing out that and putting just dirty water in there. You're going to have to drink whatever it is you hang out with. And you will become what you hang out with. Have you ever noticed you start determining a person's character by the people they're with? You might want to rethink who you're with. And it says, don't be with an angry person. I can tell you, from my past, way back, hanging out with angry people was really cool and caused me nothing but difficulty, harm, and pain, and broken bones. Nothing. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commands knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Check your tongue. 
The tongue, by the way, the tongue is the single most destructive thing on the planet. It never misses its target. Never. I don't care if the target is here or in South Cucamonga Overshoe. Whatever you say will get where it's got to go, right? Your tongue will spew targets, or arrows rather, to targets of the heart. And the heart is what always gets hit by the tongue. And we know it doesn't kill you. I mean, it'd be a lot easier if I just said something, boop, he rolled over and I was done. No, no, no. The tongue inserts an arrow into the heart that just has enough infection on it to create a cancer that will grow and grow. And it's a painful way to die. But the tongue is a, doesn't care. And here's the interesting part. With the tongue, you think God didn't know the tongue was a dangerous serpent? Of course he does. It says it in the scripture. Notice where he put it. He didn't stick it on your forehead. It's not under your armpit. It's behind a cage. You can actually close your mouth. We call it shut up. But you can. You can close it and not express that view that is simply going to hurt someone else. Ask yourself two questions. One, if what I'm about to say is it really worth saying? Two, what will it gain? And three, what will it cost? Now you can boil that down into one thing. Will this glorify God and edify them? Good. And if it doesn't do those two, don't talk at all. It's not important. It's good. It has no value. Proverbs 27, 5 to 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Cultivate honesty in your communication. Be honest in your communication. And be ready to hear honest communication to you. I, I think about this sometimes, but what this must have been like. You know, I, I have these guys that I hung with, and then my pocket. Now, by the way, I, this is not... Don't go out and send me letters. This is not true. I'm just making this up now, okay? But in my pocket, I have a coin that says that I haven't had a drink in six months, six years, 60 years. I've got this coin, and I carry it everywhere I go because I want the world to know that I know, and I'm not going to show it to them. I'm just saying my world, in me. I need to be confident. I haven't had a drink because I know what I was when I would. Joe, of course, he comes over because he's your good friend. He's your best friend. You love Joe. Joe's a great guy. And he says, hey, come on, man. Ben, come with me. Let's go, let's go have a couple of brewskis, a couple of beers together. We're going to watch the game. The television's going to go. We'll go down to that pub. Hey, we'll do a few shots. Just you and me. I know, I know. It's been six months, six years that you haven't had a drink. But come on. You can have just one shot with your best friend. Let's go. Your other friend's over here, and he isn't your best friend because, well, he's a little too honest and he looks at you and says, Ben, you don't want to do that. It's going to destroy you. Oh, no, no, it's okay. No, it's going to destroy you. You are an alcoholic. You don't have the right to do that. It is not an option for you. It may be an option for him because he doesn't know better, but it's not an option for you because you know better. You know why I know you, you know better? I'm telling you. Which one would you call your friend? The guy that's going to buy, pay the bill? Or the guy that won't even go with you? 
That's what they're talking about here. Because the true friend is the one willing to tell you, hey, I can see it. You know, I, I've done counseling over the last nearly 40 years of pastoring. And one thing I found is that I don't know anything any better than the people I'm talking to. But one thing I have, one advantage I have, is I'm not involved in their situation, and I can look at it with a clear eye. And it doesn't mean I'm exempt from what they're going through. It just means I can see what they're going through. A friend can do that for you. Rely on your friends. Be a friend. Have the courage. Gut up. And what I always talk to my sons about, talk to your friends standing up, gentlemen and ladies. And what I mean by that is when I talk to the boys, my three boys, I'd say, guys, we're going to talk standing up. That meant we're talking right here. Do that with your friends. But be honest, not hurtful. Don't bring things just to cause harm. Bring things to bring correction. Amen? And last, Proverbs 10, 11 to 12. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Let your expressions, here's, here's another key. Let your expressions to others. Your expression, let me change that. Let your relationship with those who frustrate you and anger you and you just simply don't like. Let those feelings toward them be less than the love you have for them. But, but I don't love them. Then start. Jesus tells us clearly that the second greatest commandment, which Jesus himself gave us, is to love one another. And if you do not love that person that irritates you to the core of your being, then you are violating the second commandment. Go figure. I want to pray for you. But here's what I'm going to ask. I was given permission by some friends to share this. I know what anger is about. The U.S. government has given me a statement that says that I am 50% of the man that I could be and have been for multiple decades. They say I'm disabled by 50%. My disability is not something that you can see. My disability was in my heart. My disability was anger. Today we've sweetened it up a little bit. We call it PTSD, or we call it this, or we call it that. The bottom line was, it was a man that was out of reasonable control. It was in my heart. So I don't talk to you as somebody who doesn't have a clue what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. When the brain starts filling up with the heat of anger and you completely lose control and all you want to do is hurt someone or something. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask you this simple question. Are you such a person? Do you hinge on occasion and be that person? Does it just happen once in a while? But it's okay. It's never okay. And I want to pray for you. But I will tell you one thing that made a difference. I had a lot of counseling, and I don't have to tell you, Jimmy, 
right there, that fine, tall young man right over in the corner, he told us last week how he went through this same thing. And I honored that. I can't tell you how important that was for me to share this message. The counseling is great, and I recommend it. But it never really changed me until I met the Prince of Peace. And when he came into my life, my life changed. I, this woman will tell you I am not the man that I was. And I haven't been that man in multiple, multiple decades. And I'll never be that man again because he won't let go of me. And if you've never met him, this morning's the time to do that. Bow your heads with me. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you, a people whose anger has drawn us away from you and divides us from one another. Help us, Lord, to set aside those things that create emotions that, well, so quickly move us to anger. Holy Spirit, quell our heart and fill us with wisdom. Empower us to recognize and to turn away from the devil's schemes and stand united in a face of adversity. To overcome pride with, well, with the humility. Lord Jesus, place before you, we stand before you, and place before you the, uh, those who have offended us and, well, those we have offended. And we ask you, Lord, to open the door of opportunity for us to reconcile. Let families not be divided any longer. Help us not to stand on our ground, but humble ourselves. That we might demonstrate the love for others that you have shown to us when you did not defend or revenge your own death, but you said they don't know what they're doing. Lord, anger moves us to a place not to know what we're doing. Help us, Father God, to be more than that. Now, with no one looking around, I'm going to ask you, if you're in this room and that is you, or maybe you're here and you haven't given your heart to the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand high. Let me see it. This is the most peaceful room on the planet. Nobody here ever gets angry. I'm impressed. Father, you know the hearts of these men and these women. I ask that when they clear the threshold of this place, your Holy Spirit will dwell upon them, touch them, and change them, and make them the men and women you have called them to be. And if you believe in that, say with me, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.